Thank you, choir, and thank you, congregation. You all sounded lovely. When I, uh, my, my daughter is learning to play piano, and she has this Christmas song piano book, and I opened up to Silent Night last night, and I was hunting and pecking. Pavel, I sounded nothing like you, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> Uh, next, next week is the, the, the concert, the choir concert and, um, singing beautiful songs like this and members of the CVYO Youth Orchestra will be here and, uh, I just want to invite you all to be here to, to experience the songs of the season. Uh, we are, are in a season, uh, during Advent where we are journeying through the different songs that we sing typically during this time of year. And, uh, we're calling it Songs of the Season because there's also all kinds of, of scripture references to poems and prophecies that, that were kind of proclaimed like songs would be. And so we're kind of looking at it from two angles. We're talking some through the, the history of the different songs that we sing during the season and the history uh, of some of the songs that were connected to the incarnation of, of Jesus that we read about in scripture. And, um, if you ever think that, well, you know, we, we shouldn't be singing Christmas songs or maybe Christmas songs don't, don't have too much of an influence on, on who we are. This morning I was eating breakfast with, with my daughter and she looks at her bagel and she sings, she sings, Oh come. What, what did, what did she sing? I'm, I'm going to mess it up. She sang, This bagel is amazing. I was like, Somehow these tunes kind of get ingrained in us. She's singing to her bagel. Oh, come let us adore him. This bagel is, this bagel is amazing. I, I don't know. So we're, we're having some fun with the season as well. Last week during our, our Advent family celebration, we, we, we sang the 12 days of Christmas like we always did and we, we decorated Advent wreaths out in the, the courtyard. Um, and we played a game that was called the, the Christmas Carol Challenge. And, and I think, I, I think that you all can do just as well as the kids did last Sunday night. So I'm going to put some pictures up on the screen and you're going to look at it. There'll be pictures describing a certain Christmas Carol. And as soon as you see it, shout it out. As soon as you see it, shout it out. Well done. What child is this? Go tell it on the mountain. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? So we're, we're talking about the different carols that we sing, some of the carols that we sing, having some fun with it, and again, talking through the different songs or prophecies or poems we see in Scripture that talk about Jesus' birth, the birth of the Messiah. This Sunday being the second Sunday of Advent, we are focusing on peace, uh, and this morning we're going to be uh, exploring Zechariah's song. And so we'll be in Luke 1, 67 through 80. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. The words will also be up on the screen. And as we open, will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your scripture and Lord, for the opportunity to, to open it together in these next few moments, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So directly after Mary is told that she's pregnant with Jesus, she, she heads to her cousin's house. She heads to Elizabeth's house, practically running there. 
She, she's in a hurry to get there. And, and once she arrives, Elizabeth, who is much older than Mary and who is experiencing an unexpected pregnancy herself, shares in her joy. We, we read that the baby inside of Elizabeth jumped in her womb. They celebrate together. Mary sings a song. We're going to look at that song next week. Mary sings a song, and before long, Elizabeth gives birth to a boy. When the priests and officials show up to circumcise the boy, they try to, to give him the family name. And Elizabeth says, no, no, his name is John. And, and they motion to Zachariah, and Zachariah can't, can't speak because he was, he was kind of quiet after he was a, a preacher. Imagine that, a preacher who was quieted. Who was quieted once he found out that, that his wife was pregnant. And, and she, they turn to him and they expect him to correct her. And he takes down a tablet because he can't speak and, and he writes down on it, his name is John. His name is John. And then we read this. Then Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago through the preaching of his holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies in every hateful hand, mercy to our fathers as he remembers to do what he said he would do, what he swore to our father Abraham, a clean rescue from the enemy camp, so we can worship him without a care in the world made holy before him as long as we live. And you, my child, prophet of the highest will go ahead of the master to prepare his ways present the offer of salvation to his people the forgiveness of their sins through the heartfelt mercies of our god god's sunrise will break in upon us shining on those in the darkness those sitting in the shadow of death then showing us the way one foot at a time down the path of peace this is the word of the lord thanks be to god the First World War began in late July in 1914. And over the course of its four years, nearly 70 million military personnel from, from all over the world, different, different countries went to battle and over 16 million of those 70 didn't come home. It was a horrible time in history with, with en- entire countries and, and empires crumbling. And yet something, something fascinating and almost refreshing happened six months into the war. It was Christmas Eve 1914 in, in Ypres, Belgium. German troops were on one side and the British military was on the other. The, the Germans had, had decorated their trenches with candles and trees. They started singing Christmas carols. And the British soldiers responded by, by singing songs of their own. And that night into the next day, over a 100,000 troops had a truce right in the middle of an ugly war. They shared food and Belgian chocolates and drinks. They sang, they exchanged presents with one another. One of the songs that was sung that night was sung by the Germans was Still Nacht. The British troops didn't know the words, but they recognized the tune the one that you all just beautifully sang, Silent Night, one that had been written nearly 100 years earlier for a guitar because an organ in a church in Austria stopped working on Christmas Eve. An English captain named Robert Patrick Miles wrote a letter that was later published by a a variety of newspapers all over the world, 
And he wrote this. We are having the most extraordinary Christmas day imaginable. A sort of unarranged and quiet and quite unauthorized, but perfectly understood and scrupulously observed truce exists between us and our friends on the front. The funny thing is, it, it only seems to exist in this part of the battle line. On our right and left, we can all hear them firing away at one another as cheerfully as ever. The thing started last night, a bitter cold night with white frost, soon after dusk, when the Germans started shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us. Of course, our fellows shouted back, and, and presently large numbers of both sides had, their, had left their trenches unarmed and met in the debatable, shot-riddled, no-man's-land between the lines. Not a shot was fired that whole night. Peace. In the midst, six months in, to this war. Peace in the space where the two sides had been killing one another the previous days. The, the Christmas Treaty of 1914 is one of my, my favorite Christmas story. It reminds us that no matter how bad things might get in our country, in our world, in our, our personal lives, that peace can be found. That peace is possible. And every time Advent comes around, we're reminded that, that peace isn't just possible. It is something that we as followers of Christ are called to pursue. That we are, we are called to be peacemakers. Now, Zechariah was an old man when he sang out the words we just read. He, he was a priest who had experienced all kinds of pain in his life, both personally and in his people. Now, when I, I picture him, I, I picture a man who, who's sitting there saying, are things going to ever get better? Is this ever going to turn around? Are things ever going to get better? And he had good reason to be frustrated. For centuries, his people had been oppressed. One enemy after another would rise up to tell his people that they were worthless, that they belonged in the gutters of society. And now at last... At last, God was on the move. Years of pain and sorrow, darkness and death would be lifted. And the sun that he never thought he'd have was going to be a part of it all. He can't keep it in. So he sings out these prophetic words. Now the first half of the song of the prophecy is all full of praise. The God of David and Abraham was reminding him that he remembered his people, that, that God never left them, that God would be delivering them, offering salvation to them. There are themes of power, of strength, of redemption. And the second half is uh, about his son's participation in the coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist will prepare the way, shedding light on a dark world, serving as a, a guide down the path of peace. The last words of Zechariah's song allude to the time John would spend in the desert before beginning his ministry. But I think they also point to the frustration that Zechariah had experienced in his own life. The reality is, Zechariah had dealt with a lot. And, and the truth is, most of us have or will have at some time in our life, will we'll experience a desert of sorts. Maybe not literal loneliness, literal darkness, but, but, but maybe, 
Maybe it is. At some point, we will experience the sort of darkness that Zechariah talks about. He had experienced it for a long time. It's one of the reasons that tonight's Hope and Remembrance service is so important for our community. At some point, we, we need to process the difficult seasons of our lives. And Advent invites us to step into those seasons, to hurt, to grieve. And as we wait, recognize that we're not alone as we hurt and as we grieve. Now, I love the way that Eugene Peterson ends this translation that we just read of Zechariah's prophecy. In addition to teaching people about the salvation and forgiveness that Jesus offers, John would show people the way one foot at a time down the path of peace. One foot at a time down the path of peace. It's an image that reminds us that pursuing peace takes time. Sometimes it's as simple as gracefully just placing one foot in front of another because that's all that we can do, even when the world is spinning out of control around us. Now, Jesus was pretty clear in his, his teaching that we are called to be peacemakers, and that means we are called to take the steps. We, we are called to walk that path. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be the first soldier to sing out on Christmas Eve in 1914? To be, to be the first one to say, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, in the middle of this hostile environment. It would have, it would have been difficult. It would have taken some guts to call it, Hey, Merry Christmas. I know we've been fighting for the last six months. Merry Christmas. Or, or to be the first to actually step out from the trenches to shake the hand of the enemy. For most of us, when it comes to being peacemakers, it's not quite that drastic, thankfully. It's a phone call to someone you haven't talked to in a long time. An email to an estranged family member. A knock on your neighbor's door. Maybe a discussion with a, a spouse or someone in your family and saying, you know what? I don't have to be right this time because having peace is more important than, than winning an argument. My, you know, when Haley and I were engaged to be married, the, the person leading us through premarital counseling said, Dave, I've got, I've got some words for you. You will never win an argument. It's true, right, Chair? Yeah. Peace. Are we taking the steps? Are we taking the steps to be peacemakers? Advent reminds us that we are called to initiate peace. There's a moment when Jesus is about to send out some of his, his first followers out in front of him into, into different neighborhoods to tell those neighborhoods that, that he was coming, that he was on the way. He was on the way to, to preach in these neighborhoods. So he sends out these 72 people and he says, hey, go out and, and tell people that I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. And, and he tells them to travel light, to not bring anything with them and, and to expect some pushback. And then he says, whenever you enter house, the first thing you should say is peace to this house. Whenever you enter the house, the first thing you should say is peace be on this house, peace to this house. It wasn't just a, a simple greeting. It's one that invokes God's goodwill. It's saying, I want God's shalom, God's wholeness, God's completeness to rest in this place. This is why passing the peace is so important here in church. I mean, on one hand, we say, yeah, just turn and say hello to your neighbor. But when we say peace of Christ be with you, we are actually saying, may you experience God's wholeness 
May you experience God's completeness, God's shalom. So as Jesus sends them out, he says, ask that every time you enter into a house. Ask that the house would experience God's shalom, God's peace. When Haley and I lived in, in Malawi, whenever we would uh, get in a car with a local, it was just the way that they, they lived. They, they would always stop before putting the key into the ignition and, and turning it. They would stop and they would, they would pray. And they would invite God to guide them on their journey. It's a short prayer. Every single time we got into a car with a Malawian. But the car, before they put it in, they'd stop and they'd pray. It's a practice we've tried to bring home with us. There is something about being intentional. So in the next few weeks, as we, we prepare for Christmas, what does it look like for you to actually stop and pray that God's peace would enter the houses that you are going to for Christmas parties, for work Christmas parties? When you go into a restaurant, what does it do to actually mean to actually just kind of stop and say, you know what? God's peace be on this place, on all these people that are, that are here, that are eating. What does that look like for you? What might it look like for you to, to walk your neighborhood looking at, at, at Christmas lights? To, to walk your neighborhood looking at Christmas lights and praying for God's shalom for each house that you pass. What, what does it look like for you to be intentional with walking down the path of peace where you live? Then Jesus tells those who are going out ahead of him to, to find like-minded people along the journey to find other people who are working for peace as well. Jesus knew that these folks were being sent out into difficult times, into some hostility. And he also knew that there would be people who didn't really want peace, that they approached. Even folks in his church that didn't want peace where he went. They didn't want to sit down with Samaritans. They didn't want to invite Roman soldiers into their homes for meals. They wanted God to come down hard on their enemies and to conquer them once and for all. But but part of what we just read in Zechariah is, oh, there's there's something else. There's a different story. And, and a part of what Jesus thought of when he talked about the kingdom of God being where we live is being a people of peace. N.T. Wright uh, puts this idea of, of, of kind of responding in, in revenge this way. He says, for Jesus, the idea of fighting evil with evil is like the children of Israel wanting to go back to Israel. Sorry, back to Egypt. For Jesus, the idea of fighting evil with evil is like the children of Israel wanting to go back to Egypt. It didn't make sense. And nothing productive would come from it. So, so Jesus instructed them to find people who would work toward the same goal. Find the peacemakers in your neighborhoods. Who are those people for you? Who are they that's sitting in this church? Who might you find that has a shared vision of bringing peace to an anxious world? Then Jesus tells the people he sends out to stay a while, to go into the homes and to be there, to be present where, where, they, where they find themselves. When he tells them to eat and drink whatever is offered, he does so knowing that some of the homes that they, they enter might not follow the dietary customs of the Jewish faith. So naturally, some of the people he sent out would be nervous. They'd be concerned. 
What if they live out their faith differently than, than I do? What if they have different beliefs than I do? How, how should I respond then? And, and he says, don't worry. Be present where you are. Giving those whom you visit your full attention. This work is important. This work is urgent. Now, I know most of us don't worry about, about Jewish dietary customs, but, but I bet all of us can think of one time or another where we walk into someone's home and, and it is uncomfortable. Or we walk into a situation where it is just uncomfortable. And the lesson for us here is that if we want to carry the peace that Jesus talks about, we need to learn to be fully present wherever we are, even if we're stepping into the unfamiliar. Again, it's, it's a call to be intentional. In the passage that we read from Proverbs earlier, we're, we're reminded, we were reminded to look forward, to place one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, without veering to the right or to the left. More often than not, pursuing peace is something that is done in very small increments. So again, what does it look like for you to, to pray when you go to somebody's house, when you go to a Christmas party? Hey, may, may the peace of Christ fall on this place. What, what, what does it look like for you to surround yourself with other people who are, are seeking the same sort of peace that you are seeking in our chaotic world? And what does it look like for you to be fully present in those spaces? Advent reminds us that as we wait for Jesus, as we prepare for his coming, we are called to be peacemakers. So this week, as we prepare for Christmas, and what can often be a chaotic time, let's remember to actively pursue, pre- pursue peace. Can we do that? This is when we resounding, yes! Let's be peacemakers. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we live in a world that can definitely use more peace. Help us to be a people who, who live intentionally, who seek after you, and, and, and who point others toward you by the way in which we live. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.